How's everybody doing this morning? It is Friday already. Hard to believe that it's Friday already. <clears throat> but here we are. Uh, I, uh, I'm glad to spend this uh, Friday morning with you. And um, to me, it doesn't matter who's first, but it's fun to see the, uh, the jocularity of jockeying for the first in position to say good morning on this fine show here. A lot of fun, absolutely is. So um, some of you may know the name, uh, perhaps many of you don't even know the name of uh, a pastor uh, named Timothy Keller. I want to start this morning by talking about Timothy Keller uh, and uh, and who he is. Uh, just, just for a brief moment uh, to ask that we pray for his family. Uh, Timothy Keller is is this fellow here, 
Um, and he has suffered with uh, prostate cancer. But as uh, some of us read last night who followed Timothy Keller, we know, and you can just see I'm reading here from the, the Twitter account, um, that uh, today dad is being discharged from the hospital to receive hospice care at home. Over the past few days, he's asked us to pray with him. Often he expressed many times through prayer his desire to go home to be with Jesus. Uh, his family is very sad, uh, and it's going to go into Twitter. Uh, we all wanted more time, uh, but we know uh, he has very little left at this point in prayer. He said two nights ago, I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time God has given me. But I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus send me home now. Some of you might go, okay, what's the big deal? Um, Timothy Keller actually has been one of the most influential voices uh, in 20th, 21st century uh, American Christianity. In fact, even beyond American, I, I go as far as to say global. Um, in many ways, Redeemer Presbyterian Church down in New York City uh, at, that has planted several churches out of their church, but really, really a, a think tank uh, in many ways. Um, and I, I would just like us to, to pray for him. Uh, here, here are some of the book titles. I'll, I'll just put some of these up there uh, so you can see them. Uh, meaning of Marriage. Prodigal God, prayer, counterfeit gods, forgive uh, every good endeavor, uh, Jesus the King, preaching, walking with God through pain and suffering, uh, making sense of God. Uh, but he is, he has been such a, in fact, there's, there's many others over there as well, but uh, he has been such a voice in, in many ways, a voice of reason. Some of you are familiar with the name John Piper. Uh, and if not, I would encourage you to listen to podcasts by both of these gentlemen, Timothy Keller. His podcast obviously will go on beyond his uh, home going to Jesus. Uh, and John Piper, another uh, significant voice that has spoken to so many of the issues in our days. So, uh, Lord, we do come before you. We lift up Timothy. We lift up Kathy. We lift up Michael. We lift up the, the broad uh, Redeemer Press uh, family. Uh, that you would comfort them uh, that uh, as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that they would experience your your rod and your staff comforting them. They would experience your presence. Lord, we just lift the Keller family, as, as I know thousands of people are lifting, perhaps even millions of people, lifting them to you uh, at this uh, very uh, precious and difficult time. Lord, would you bring them your comfort, uh, would you ease the pain and uh, ease uh, Pastor Keller's home going into the arms of Jesus, we pray for them. And Lord, for ourselves, we pray today, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you uh, and to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in Acts chapter 6. We began Acts chapter 6 yesterday talking about the, the calling of the deacons. Uh, and uh, one of the deacons that was chosen was a man named Stephen. Now we're, we're going to uh, pick back up a little bit more. Speaking of Stephen, 
We seen Steve and Donna here the last. Were they here yesterday? Uh, I haven't seen Steve and Donna here in the broadcast. Of course, it's only been a few days, but I, I don't remember. I don't see them here this morning. So maybe need to reach out to them and say, hey, what's up with you guys? So, Stephen, here we go. Let's get into this, Stephen, uh, in the book of Acts. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Now, remember, he was a deacon. It is likely that um, this Stephen uh, was an early follower of Jesus. Uh, in fact, it's likely that many of those that were called uh, to be deacons in the earlier part of chapter 6 had also walked with Jesus for a significant length of time, perhaps even the entirety uh, of their time, um, or near the entirety of, I say, their time, the, the time that Jesus was uh, conducting his public ministry. Stephen was likely one of those people but we note of him, although he was called to be a deacon, we also note in his abilities, he was a man full of God's grace and power. He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people as well. God used him in a significant way. But then it says this, opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria. Now we're talking Alexandria in Egypt. Um, and the area of Cyrene also uh, in, in, in a distant place from where we are currently reading um, about. But the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, these men began to argue with Stephen. Uh, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against his holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen as they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Looking at this, what do we see? Um, looking at this, we see uh, people who are raising a false witness. I mean, they, they can't produce anything that is, uh, is accurate or factual, not at all. Um, they have to say false things about him. I mean, doesn't this sound just like our day? All right. I'm going to put a map up here for us, perhaps to see uh, where Cyrene is located, so you get the, the sense here of just where we're talking about, where these people had come from. Here it is. Uh, you see Crete here. You see Egypt, so Crete, uh, uh, Cyrenaica, Cyrene right up on the Mediterranean Sea. 
uh, Alexandria over here, and you see all the tributaries coming into the Nile River here, um, or coming out of, coming into the Nile River. I think the Nile River flows north, does it not? I think that's the one river that flows toward the sea. So all these little outlets. But we see Alexandria. So these people were from from this place here uh, up in, in northern Egypt and northern Crete uh, near the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, I said Crete. Yeah, Crete. But the Cyrenicia, uh, you, you see the place where I'm talking about all the way over around to Israel. And uh, they are stirring up this trouble for Peter. And that is what we are giving consideration to and, and how these men did what they did and said what they said. And as we read in the text, they were arguing that they couldn't stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. I mean, the wisdom that he had was wisdom that came from God. And then in verse 11, it says, they secretly persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against uh, against God. Now, I will tell you likely what happened because this is that part of the world. They probably offered some money. Uh, that That is a very common thing in that part of the world. If you want to get your way, you offer some small money and or some large money, however it might be. You offer a little bit of money, and all of a sudden, you get what you want. Sometimes when you're trying to gain passage, uh, for instance, uh, you need to have a uh, a visa, and you don't have a visa, and you're you're crossing into a country, you don't have that visa. Well, you offer the the agent a little bit of money, and he makes sure you're taken care of. Uh, that that is a way. Or sometimes they have road stops in some of those countries, and you offer a little bit of money, and guess what? You get to pass through. Uh, without without issue. Otherwise, they could detain you for several minutes to several hours until you finally cough up some money. So it is likely, verse 11, when it says they, they secretly persuaded some men with some small money. Uh, we've heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God in verse 12. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They see Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. I mean, as I was saying, does this just not sound like our very day today where where there's fake news, fake news, fake news. Well, you know, uh, Trump talked about fake news. Biden talks about fake news. Both of them give fake news there. I said it publicly. Uh, they say whatever they say, and, and they want it to be truth. And because they've said it, they believe people should believe it. Uh, and we have that problem in our day. They had it in their day. They had spinsters. Uh, they had fabricators. They had people who would spin out all kinds of things um, to say all kinds of things that were not true because they wanted to establish their own cause. And that's that's just the way that it was uh, in those days. Uh, and exactly what Stephen is experiencing, and it is the same Thing, some things never change. What Stephen experienced in his day is what we see in our day. Things don't change. People are going to spin things to their own ends all the time, uh, and, and it will always happen uh, among humanity. Now, 
Uh, I'm looking at the comment, God's word is truth, but God's word, which is truth, also contains lies in this sense. It is it is bringing forth, telling the lies that these men told. You know, uh, it, the danger would be of someone picking a verse out of this section of scripture and running with it and trying to build their life upon it. We need to understand God's word as it is uh, in the entirety of its context. Uh, there's, there's a grave danger in... Uh, picking and choosing verses. Uh, you know, one day you could open up, put your finger on a verse, and it says that uh, uh, Judas hanged himself. Uh, and uh, another day you open up your Bible and you put your finger on a verse and it says, go and do thou likewise. You think, I can't do that. But then the next day you open up your Bible and put it on a verse and it says, what thou do, doest quickly. The Bible can be misused. Uh, it needs to be understood. In fact, I was having a conversation already this morning with somebody about one's view of the Bible uh, and needing to understand it. And, and you know, we treat it like we've always had the entirety of the Bible, but the Bible has unfolded to us up until the day of the canon. Uh, they did not have the New Testament. They did not have some of the latter books of the prophets, even in the Old Testament days. In fact, Really, what they only had was uh, uh, the writings of of Moses, which we know as the Torah, the Pentateuch, and the uh, the writings of David, and then eventually the writings of the prophets uh, that were put together into the Old Testament fashion. Uh, so we haven't always had it as it is, and, and we need to understand how the Bible got to us, and even how translation works. I, I hear people talk about King James only type of, uh, and I reject that because uh, uh, you cannot translate word for word from the original languages. It just doesn't work that way, and I can show that to you. However, I, I do agree with, with the sediment uh, and what is said here. God's word is truth, uh, and we have to allow it to work in our hearts. We need to be responsive to it where it speaks uh to things, it is true. It doesn't speak about everything. It doesn't speak about atoms. It doesn't speak about science, where it, where it brushes against science. It's accurate. It's true. It's reliable. Um, it doesn't speak about all things historical. It doesn't speak about what happened in South America 2,000 years ago. It doesn't speak about what was happening in Asia 2,000 years ago. Um, but where it does speak, it is totally reliable. And, and, and I fully agree with what is being said here. Now, let's come back to what what is... Um, what we're reading in the text about how people stir up people. And it happens. It happens in churches. People will stir up uh, people against uh, other people in the life of a church. People will stir up people against a pastor in a church. Uh, people will stir up uh, about uh, false rumors about politicians and, and false rumors about, I mean, we can do it with our neighbors. The human tongue uh, is a deadly evil, full of all kinds of poison. With the same tongue, we curse men and praise God. And such a dangerous thing. Now, let me just get us back in the, the text here to kind of get us re, re-grounded in the text. Verse 12 said, They stirred up the people and the elders and teachers of law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never speak, stopped speaking against his holy place and against the law. We've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. Now, 
They may have heard something similar. They may have heard where Jesus said, every stone left upon another will be cast down. Jesus didn't say when, when that was said that I'm going to cast it down. Jesus didn't say that I'm going to destroy the temple of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus never said that. What Jesus did say is that the temple and Jerusalem would be uh, taken on, destroyed, and cast down, but he didn't say that he would do it. We do that all the time. And you, you, you've seen me talk about this before. Sometimes there is this much truth but we only tell this much of the story. See my fingers here? We're leaving out a lot of facts and details that when you when you color everything in, it changes the storyline. It changes the narrative. It changes the outcome. And so too often times as human beings, we are inclined to, there's this much story from, from between my hands, but we only tell this much information uh, and leave out all the coloring that, oh, Okay, now I understand why that person did what they did because you left out all these facts. We're awful about that as human beings. The other thing that happens sometimes is there is this much of a story, but we'll, we'll tell this much. We we exaggerate. We embellish. Both are lies, friends. When, when, when the story is this big, but we only tell this much, leaving out significant details because it changes the narrative and makes our story less juicy, that is a lie. We have problems with our tongues with that type of a thing. Also, if, if there is this much of a story and we embellish and fill in lots of detail that really wasn't there, that also is untruthful, and that is exactly what we see them doing here in the book of Acts. They produced the false witnesses. They said things that were never said. Verse 14, we heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. Verse 15 says, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and noticed his look. I mean, what, what look would you have? What look would I have? Would we have a look of fear? Would we have a look of uh, anxiety? Would we have a look of anger? Notice the look that was on Stephen's face in verse 15. They saw that his face was like the face of an angel. They're not saying that he had, you know, he was uh, neatly shaven and his hair was done up nicely and they had prepped him with with uh, makeup like he was going on a TV 